TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Dom Giordano on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Dom time, big issues, big guests in a moment. We're going to talk with a real friend of the show over the years and one of the smartest guys in politics that I've been covering forever and a guy with um, a flair for the dramatic Today we saw Senator Rand Paul not make an endorsement, but really come out firing in a non-endorsement manner. Senator Paul joins us here on Talk Radio 1210. Hey, Senator, Happy New Year, and thanks very much for the busy day for uh, joining us. Thanks, Dom. Great to be with you. I wanted to make sure you guys were up on the news today and weren't, you know, <laughs> sitting back and taking it easy. No, not on a Friday. Not so such good <laughs> golfing weather. So, um... When I saw you were going to announce this today, I thought you're not going to endorse President Trump or probably anybody. There's some kind of wrinkle to it. And it was uh, very dramatic, sunglasses and all. So why this uh, tactic? Why this with uh, Nikki Haley? You know, I've been watching the race for a long time. Uh, when Donald Trump was president, I was close to him, defended him on the impeachment. I know DeSantis well, I actually know Ramaswamy well. And I think they've all got a lot of things to say and, uh, you know, different areas I like better from one candidate to the other. I've watched Bobby Kennedy some. There are some things that Bobby Kennedy says about, you know, crony corporate capitalism that I like as well. And I just wasn't positive I was ready to make an endorsement, but I was positive that I've watched Nikki Haley throughout this, that Nikki Haley does not represent the liberty wing of the party. She represents more of the McConnell sort of Dick Cheney, sort of John McCain wing of the party. This is the big corporate part of the party, but the part of the party that is not reticent to get us involved in foreign wars, that wants to send more money uh, to Ukraine, unlimited amount of money and foreign aid. And that's just not who I am. And I decided that uh, I'm never Nikki. I, I don't think Nikki would be a good choice for us as Republican Party. So, Senator, when you uh, talk about that, what what uh, is it? To, see, I I don't I can't say she's propelled by corporate interests to get into these ending wars, except she believes in this too. I mean, I think that's apparent. That's her foreign policy, and that's so far yesteryear in the Republican Party. I think Trump's biggest legacy as a president is someone who got us out of these unending wars. You, of course, were one of the John Baptists uh, out there talking about this in the Republican Party, and people uh, might debate you, but they never impugn you. You helped to break this notion through. And I, I think that's that's right, and there really is a divide within the party. There is sort of the old Dick Cheney wing that says we should be everywhere all the time and we should 
send money everywhere all the time, that deficits don't matter. That literally was the Dick Cheney wing. I think McConnell belongs to that wing. I think John McCain belongs to that wing. But then there's the more liberty-oriented wing, Mike Lee, myself, some of the members of the Freedom Caucus that really believe you know, that war should be the last resort, that we should be strong, we should have a great national defense. But Nikki Hebby says that she wants to change it from the Department of Defense to the Department of Offense. And she may have said that frivolously, but, you know, I have good friends whose whose kids are second lieutenants and captains in the infantry and the Marines that will be fighting these battles. And I, I see every vote that I ever take in every war around the world, I see it as if, am I going to send one of my best friend's kids to fight and lay down his life for his country? It's got to be important. It's got to be something to defend our country it can't be some far-flung war that we can't even comprehend. You know, we have 1,500 Marines in the country of Niger. Most people in the United States have never heard of Niger. It's a small country mm-hmm. in Africa, and we were sent there to train their troops. But the president now is in jail, and a general, a rogue general, took over the country, and yet our troops are still there. That's the kind of stuff that Nikki Haley would continue. It's the kind of stuff that I want to end. It's the kind of stuff that I've heard good things, frankly, from Trump, DeSantis, Ramaswamy on this. But I, I really have heard the opposite from Nikki Haley, more of an eagerness to be involved in these wars, but also an eagerness to keep sending money to Ukraine. And we don't have any money. That money has to be borrowed. We're going to have a $1.5 trillion deficit this year. So any money that they want to send to Ukraine for good or bad has to be borrowed. Um, wanted to talk about, too, and I'm so glad you came on today, not just because of Haley. But because of the situation with Biden and the bombing yesterday, a lot of provocation, very important place. What should a president have to do? What is the metric? What do they have to do to make their case before they can do something like this? You know, the Constitution was pretty clear and the debate among the founders was pretty clear. They said that the executive branch is the branch most prone to war. This is what Madison said. And for that purpose, because of that reasoning, we delegated that authority and we placed that in the hands of Congress. So the decision to go to war is in the hands of Congress. Now, there are some who will argue, well, sometimes there are smaller battles and attacks that may not be approved or able to be approved in advance. And there may be some truth to that. The strongest arguments for attacking the Houthis is they attacked us first. And so you could argue that there is a self-defense aspect to that. But what I would do, if you need the element of surprise and you had to attack them, is I would have gone the next morning to Congress. We were there this week. They could have attacked the people who are attacking our ships over there. They could have bombed the people attacking them. And I would have gone the next day to Congress and said, we did this in secret so they wouldn't be able to move. But we want your approval. We want Congress's imprimatur on this. And believe it or not, I would have voted for that because – I don't think we can let people attack our international shipping. These these uh, shipping vessels are unarmed. There's there's civilian vessels. There's there's not even any guns on board these ships at all. And so we do need to defend them. But what I worry more about the Nikki Haley crowd is not responding to an attack on shipping, but I worry about the the Nick Haley, Nikki Haley wing of the party saying, oh, we should bomb Tehran, or we need to be at war and uh, we need to carry the war into Russia, and we need to topple Putin. All the things that would be maybe things we're not against that, you know, we'd get better leadership in Russia. But people who think and are naive enough to think that we can go to war in every country around the world that we don't like and replace the government, I think that is naive. And it also is not giving due consideration to the young men and women that will die in the process. 
I like what you said there. And, you know, the media doesn't have a taste for this, sadly. Uh, guys like you and Mike Lee and some of the Democrats talking about the constitutional nature. Of, and what you said about the attack in Yemen is perfectly rational. That seems to be a compromise in the best sense of the word and how to go about it. We got to get back to not thinking this is just an inconvenience to go to Congress on these things. Yeah, and even going all the way back in our history, one of the instances that the neocons bring up that want no restraints by Congress is they bring up, well, Thomas Jefferson attacked the Barbary yeah. Pirates in 1801. And of course that's true. But we were the Barbary Pirates and the Ivory Coast had declared war on us. Congress was out of session. You had to ride a horse and buggy to get back to D.C. It took weeks to come back, and it was four months before they came back. But you know what Jefferson did when they came back? He asked for permission to do what he had done, which was defend our shipping over there, and they gave him the approval. And so they knew, even when they did stuff out of the ordinary, that they had to ultimately ask Congress for permission. So I foresee some exceptions to this where you'd need the element of surprise. So if the Houthis have you know, uh, missile launchers that are mobile – and you want to get them before they have a chance to move, I can see some need for that. But really, Congress is the ultimate authority, and you should come back and say, we want the authority. It happened last night. We want the authority, and we want future authority to attack uh, people in that area who are launching missiles at our ships. And I think people would – I think it would have happened. You know, like I say, I would vote for that. I want to go back to Nikki Haley with with, uh, Senator Rand Paul. So do you see this non-endorsement derail her now – and any traction toward the presidency, what about a VP choice? Would you oppose that she wouldn't have that type of power? I think she's on the short list. What's your sense of what Trump or whoever wins needs in a VP? You know, Never Nikki is a pretty strong movement. It's something I believe in pretty strongly. Never Nikki means never Nikki for president, never Nikki for VP. There's a lot of people and uh, I understand the desire, you know, perhaps to balance a ticket with a woman, an accomplished woman on the ticket. I'm not against that. I think there are many out there. Uh, but I, I just don't think that uh, having uh, her on the ticket would be encouraging to those of us who like many of the other candidates, but we like them because we think they're less likely to get us involved in war. And the big thing coming up right now, and it's intertwined with spending, is Look, we passed these spending caps, which really aren't that great. This is sort of the the McConnell-McCarthy deal with Biden, and that deal allowed spending that would allow $1.5 trillion deficit next year. But in outside of those spending caps, added on to the $1.5 trillion would be this emergency, so-called emergency spending that would go to Ukraine and Taiwan and all these other places. All of that's borrowed, and it's all beyond the caps, and it's all – really disingenuous to say we have caps if they're going to exceed the caps. That is something that Nikki Haley says she's for. So she's aligned herself with McConnell, with Biden, with Schumer, with, you know, sort of the Dick Cheney wing of the party. That's who she's aligned herself with. And people just need to know what they're getting. If they're going to make a decision on a primary vote, either New Hampshire or in Iowa in the next week or two, they need to know they're voting for the McConnell, McCain, Biden wing of the party. They're not voting with the Liberty wing. Parting question for you, too. Big week with Dr. Fauci. And I had a lot of fun yesterday going back and tracing the six foot rule. Senator, we had a guy here in the suburbs who public health guy who went with the three foot rule. Suddenly he was working in the basement of the department. He headed a few days after that because of the forces out of Harrisburg in this case 
that stopped him, and that six-foot rule, among other things, with Fauci was critical. The damage that was done, we could have gotten out of that a lot quicker. The ridiculous nature of it, not just the damaging nature of it, the ridiculous nature. My son was at the university at the time. We went to his university, and outside they had these ridiculous white circles, and then six feet away there'd be another white circle, and you were supposed to stand in the white circle while talking to someone outside. There was never any science. In fact, it looks like the the crazy hoaxes from the middle, you know, the Middle Ages when there was no science and they would wear those ridiculous kind of masks with a long nose and put incense in there. That's the kind of logic this was. So finally this week, Fauci admits, oh, well, yeah, there really wasn't any science. Well, guess what? Guess what? Guess what, Anthony Fauci? There was never any science to wear three and four masks on your face and all the other ridiculous things they put forward. The real science ended up showing 78 randomized controlled studies was analyzed by the Cochrane analysis. It showed no benefit from wearing the masks other than you makes you feel better. And if you if you want to be made feel better to do it, it's a talisman. It's 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 a theater. But do it if you want it. But just don't enforce things on us that have no scientific uh, backing. Well, after this testimony, I would think we needed appendix to your book now containing all this. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is in the book, we go into great detail about the cover-up. And Anthony Fauci, from the very beginning, from the very first weeks of this in January and February of 2020, was covering up his funding of -of gain-of-function research, and to this day, still lying about it. He funded the research in Wuhan that the Department of Energy, the FBI, and actually a group of scientists at the CIA all concluded that the virus started and came out of the lab that Anthony Fauci was funding. And for that, he should be, in history, remembered as someone who made one of the worst errors, the worst judgment errors in public health history, public health policy in, in a lifetime, at least. Senator, thank you. Thanks for coming on, particularly it's a big day. And thanks for your thoughts on uh, Nikki Haley. And uh, it's bigger than Nikki Haley. I mean, this is a real choice uh, for people if they're in the Republican Party. Uh, just a parting, though. Uh, with Robert Kennedy, uh, you talked about some of the things you share with him. Is there any sense you could ever endorse uh, Bobby Kennedy? I met with him this week. Uh, I'm impressed by him. We have a lot in common with uh, our, you know, disdain, doubts, criticisms of crony capitalism, where corporations come in, they manipulate government to make profits. Instead of being good at what they do in the marketplace, they use government to mm-hmm. try to get rid of their competitors. Uh, many of them come in and abuse the FDA. We now have, you know, one of the vaccine companies is sharing $400 million with the NIH. And it's like, how can they be objective on whether or not we're required to take a vaccine when they get $400 million in profit from the vaccine companies? So there are, there are real problems that Bobby Kennedy's been, you know, pretty good on all of the really good on all of these issues. It would be a big step to go outside of the party, to endorse somebody outside the party. For right now, the only thing I know is um, never Nikki, never Nikki.net. If you want to send Nikki Haley a message, go to never Nikki.net today. We will do so. We will do so. People are thrilled with this. Senator, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you. for coming on today on a big day. Thank you. Bye. Rand Paul today, Dan. And you, you can tell he likes the fun of this, too. Oh, man. And here I'm the guy saying the other day, well, what about his VP? Notice I had to go back there a second time to ask about, well, we got to get over to the finish line. You want to win.
Can I tell you what that shower thought I had was? Yes. I think Rand Paul is the number one guy. I, I think behind the scenes right now, RFK yes. and Trump are playing a game of tug of war trying to get this guy to be the VP candidate on their ticket. Oh, boy. Talk about a bold take here on a Friday. <laughs> I don't see it. I, now, I, I see there's going to be a woman there. You can say whatever you want. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months about it uh there's a huge voting sector right now that sees a lot of bs in the COVID oh, yeah. stuff and oh, yeah. the one person yeah. that's been the forefront of that is Rand paul well, and- let's put it this way though the youth vote Rand paul could be helpful with i haven't seen the polling my gut instinct says yeah he could be and rfk wouldn't need him as his vp he's got it you know at the level it's a similar doesn't guy. it add some legitimacy to what rfk saying though it gives oh, yeah. actions to the words yeah yeah but i don't think he needs it though you know he, no. he, he might need another element by the way the nugget in there though that i was going to lead with until you were able to get him on is what he said and i'm in complete agreement notice he didn't say in a wild kind of way no we couldn't attack uh, in yemen but what he said is the best way is when they attacked us originally in the shipping lanes, et cetera, we should have hit them and then gone to Congress to talk about we wanted to have this ongoing, more than 60 targets hit. That's the way the War Powers Act can work. Not a wild thing, you can't do it, or a wild thing, yeah, just blast them and who cares? All right, I'd love to get your reaction to that. I know a lot of people are made happy by that, Dan, <laughs> the never Nikki. Oh, man. And notice there was no personal animus there. <laughs> He's just gone after all the elements that she represents. I still think she's going to come in second easily in Iowa. And I think she's going to be really tight in New Hampshire. Rand Paul, though, really dramatically today did something much different. This was brilliant stuff. So 855-839-1210. Hit us with your thoughts on what he said, not just about Haley, but about the attack in uh, Yemen. And the book on Dr. Fauci is second to none. So more on that uh, coming up. Give you the side question here in a moment, but I want to get your reaction to uh, all this. And uh, I don't know what impact in a state like um, New Hampshire might have more impact than in Iowa. You know, it could have some impact to uh, stall her progress. But they do see her as just a continuation of the Uniparty here, big time. Dom Giordano show. Uh, maybe I see part of Rand Paul. Look, he's a genius at dramatic stuff like this. And I think he truly sees Nikki Haley as a threat. Part of it, though, I think it's indicative. They're sensing that Trump, you know, Trump throws so much stuff around. Not saying he's lying. He just goes back and forth. That's the process. Still think he's considering Nikki Haley, and that's why Don Jr. put that out a couple weeks ago and why Rand Paul today 
said uh, never Nikki. Hashtag never Nikki. All right, 855-839-1210. Side question today. It's an easy one today. Everybody should have a great one. A little bit of research I did. One that's unusual, but today is Kiss a Ginger Day. Kiss a Ginger Day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, redheaded stepchild used to be the phrase. So, of course, we'll take Lucy off the board. <laughs> it's quite a step up, huh? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, we'll take Lucy off the board simply. You know, we, you're not going to win with Lucy. You know that. Yeah. But read several things getting ready for this. And George Washington was redheaded under that wig. Oh, so definitely, if I don't you know if anyone read... want to kiss George Washington though with yeah. his wooden teeth and smelly breath. Well, I know who my kiss of ginger is without a doubt, and it's because of the big hair, and I love oh, it. I know where you're going, Tina Louise. Yep. Ginger, yeah. Ginger herself, Marianne. Yeah, there you go. Uh, not on this day. All right. So who's yours, Dan? Uh, Steve Winwood. Ah, uh, okay. We often we know by now that he's probably my he is my favorite singer of all time. Uh, traffic, right. uh, Blind Faith, solo stuff. Reinvented his career many times, but uh, a ginger I'd like to highlight. I don't think many people know that he is. No, I did not know that. Okay, so that's the side question at the end of your call. You just got the the big hit of the day, though, and Rand Paul right here. This is making a lot of news around the non-endorsement of anybody, and I'm not sure why he didn't endorse Trump other than he wants to stop hailing. And you heard what he said about the War Powers Act. And the whole issue of uh, what we did last night, 60 targets hit, et cetera, of how to work that so that everybody's buttoned up with Congress. And we're back into this battle again. And, and look, criticism of Nikki Haley, without a doubt, is that she is a neocon. There is no doubt. I mean, that's what you have to face. What I think she'd be able to influence Trump, no. So the idea, that's why I asked about is the VP choice. You got to win here. And you heard what he said about uh, Bobby Kennedy. I don't see the two of them teaming up, though. Uh, you know, it's you already got one guy there. You don't need the other. I think you put something else in. But I mean, Trump's screwed if that happens. Because that, that's uh, 100% going to split his ticket more so. Because Biden supporters aren't going to yeah. go for a Rand Paul, I don't think. But uh, Right. I, I, yeah. I think you're overvaluing what Kennedy's going to have in the end. You really I, think so? Yeah, I'll set the over and under... Uh, no state really matters. Well, would it make it a swing state if he does well in it? Like, I don't know what the high tide mark for him is in any state. In Pennsylvania, I've seen polling. He could be at 11%, which is enormous. I think it's be higher than 11. Like in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Uh, if you want to do a pizza bed, we can set that yeah, up. Yeah, okay. Under. All right. Yeah, I'd say he's going to come under 11% in Pennsylvania. Okay. There's no way he's getting over it because... The two of them know you got to win Pennsylvania. This is going to be all out. They're not going to. Are we setting the bet in right now, or can we wait a couple of months and see how things unfold? No, I'm going to win either way on this. You're overvaluing <laughs> the third-party candidate. I mean, H. Ross Perot did significantly well, but it wasn't modern politics like it is now. So, I, I yeah, whenever you want, I'm setting it in at 11%. I don't see anything happening. I, really, I truly believe it's going to be something like 20 Well, 11% is enormous. It's yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to remember, there are other groups. Now, maybe they're liberal libertarian rather than conservative libertarian. Green Party, Cornell West, and all these. Mm-hmm. They're each going to get a half a point to a point. They take away something in this mix of people that are disgruntled. Yeah, but I, I feel much more so than if you have a realistic third-party candidate, that's right. going to glom those Green Party 
voters off onto that candidate, I would think. Well, doesn't matter if Jill Stein's running. No yeah. one's going to support Jill Stein. Even Green Party candidates will support mm-hmm. RFK. Got to get on the ballot to start with, though. And I'm not sure how many places. I know they're having trouble getting on the ballot. It takes a lot more than you think. That's what the two parties do to stop people. I know he's on in Utah. I don't know of anywhere else yeah. yet. So that's a, it, it's an <laughs> Maybe ex- we should find out if he's going to be on the ballot first. Right. Before I mean, that's state, an right? exhausting process to get on the ballot. That's what they do. All right, that was as much of the news of the day with the big-time players we can bring you at Rand Paul. Uh, at the end of your call, hit us with your all-time favorite, Ginger. Now, an update. We let off this week. We started to see over the weekend, and a couple of listeners tipped me off about the Ben Frank, uh, the uh, William Penn statue. Now, big story by the Associated Press today. They interviewed a number of the tribal leaders who allegedly were consulted all these uh, Native American Indian groups by the Interior Department and Park Service. And they said they wanted to have Penn statue there. They didn't want to take away the statue. All they wanted was a space, as we said, that would highlight the culture, history, traditions, and perceptions of the Native Americans who have lived there. And I'm looking at direct quotes from a number of uh, Native American Indian um, uh, people, leaders of the Shawnee tribe, the Eastern Shawnees, now both based in Oklahoma, said they hadn't had any discussions about it. Uh, they said that uh, William Penn was an ally of the Shawnee. As long as he lived, he kept his promise. As long as he was able to speak on behalf of the colony in western Pennsylvania, the Shawnees had a home here. Of all the terrible human beings that inflicted tragedy upon Native peoples, I don't put William Penn in that category. So this makes it worse, just as we suspected. In other words, you didn't have a few activist Native Americans looking to glom onto this, let's burn William Penn statue. In fact, any number of them here say he is a singular figure who kept his word and kept things going. So who did this? The media is not as interested now. Well, we know who did it the head of the Interior Department, who's Native American, and a guy that heads the Park Service, who claims to be Native American. And they just wanted to inflict this, and how do they do it, rather than adding to that space by putting in things that give the history of the Native Americans, what do they do? Get William Penn out of there. This article, and WHYY is a liberal media outlet here in town. Tribal leaders had envisioned the exhibit for the plaza would highlight the culture, history, traditions, and perceptions of Native Americans. They Get wanted to that's right. They wanted to promote their history. Removing William Penn's statue was not a priority. I mean, so who did it? <laughs> and we just move off this. That's what these people do. They can't even claim that the Indians, Native Americans, were the architects of this. They just wanted to put their message and have some space, and this was a good space because Native Americans, Indians were there at one point. What's wrong with that? I have no problem with that. They didn't even want it to be two sides. In other words, they didn't want it to be, here's William Penn's side, here's the Indian side. They didn't see it that way. They just wanted to enhance what the uh, thoughts of the Native Americans were around this land in that time. So it's not even antagonistic, like here's his side, here's our side. It's exactly what they tell us they talk about, inclusion. Include them in it. Put them in the space. Who could be against that? 
is the inquirer are they are they going to be reporting now they're not going to tell people this stuff they're, they're going to continue down this path yes like it really just seems that this was to rile up conservatives on purpose it was a political move by yeah. a progressive that wanted to shove it it feels well like. they think that it's mythical about penn and these native americans are saying no it's not you know they're not putting him up there as a saintly figure but they're saying this guy was an honest broker and as long as he was alive it was unique Everything was good. They don't like that story. That story can't be there. So it's not about telling other stories. It's just about running down William Penn. All right, let me go to Brian in Pottstown. And, Brian, you're on Talk Radio 1210. Hey, Brian. Yeah, hi, Dom. Uh, I was just thinking by this, because some of uh, John Kennedy Jr.'s uh, positions are friendly to us as conservatives, that he should be uh, a potential vice presidential candidate for us. Uh, by that logic, I mean, John Fetterman could be vice president, right? Well, yeah, I don't hear anybody <laughs> say, oh, you, you mean for Trump that he would consider uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Well, they, they like it because they think it helps to win. I don't know that Bobby Kennedy puts Trump over the top. Uh, I don't see that. Well, my, my whole thing is, you're a Trump supporter, I'm assuming, Brian. Um, no matter who he chooses, there's no way you're not going to vote for Trump, right? So even if he chose RFK, you're still going to go to the poll and vote for Trump? Yeah, because I think he would keep the vice president under control. Well, my, that's my kind of my point, though, is someone like you, who's going to essentially vote for Trump no matter what, how do you capture those people who don't want to go vote for Trump right now? And I think you throw him a little bone being someone like RFK or a more moderate person and say, look, we have this you big sect of supporters. How do we win? How do we get more voters on our end? And that's why I propose RFK as a potential. I, obviously, there's going to be a lot of stuff they disagree on, and I don't think RFK is going to be able to do much of anything, but I think he's going to draw a very large voter base, of especially young people, over to Donald Trump, who are hesitant to vote for him right now. Okay, all well, that makes sense. But... The caveat is he's a heartbeat away from the presidency. It's true. It's well, true. yeah, that, that always That's is. a great, yeah. great, great yeah. point, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thanks very much. By the way, I, I think Bobby Kennedy Jr. is a lot more radical than Trump. Trump is transactional, negotiating and all that. <laughs> There's some things, though, like Robert Kennedy that you pointed out to me, because at first yeah. I was very supportive of RFK, but then he came out with stuff like reparations and all, and to put him in office with Trump when they disagree on something like that so vehemently, it's going to be mm. a very, as Brian said, very interesting. I think Trump yeah. would obviously take precedent in that situation, but yeah. you know, uh, do you really want to have someone that's for uh, those kinds of issues as your president if trump were to die yeah it's a question you gotta ask i'm just fascinated to a uh, rand paul doing this today does that stop nikki haley for vp what it tells me is a lot of people close to it are sensing trump is noodling nikki haley because he sees that she's got some degree of drawing people and he's being told you know women suburbs and all that we're a long way from that but it seems to me I'll play you coming up. But we have Jeff Andrew coming up uh, a lot from Hunter Biden and other things this week. But give me a reaction to Rand Paul. That was as good as you get on the two big issues of the day. One, presidential race. But two, the bombing in Yemen. All right, David Bowie, uh, maybe a Hall of Fame ginger. Kiss a ginger day. That's a side question. You heard Rand Paul. If you missed it. 
It's the big story of the day in a lot of ways on the issue of bombing in Yemen, but mainly on Nikki Haley and uh, never Nikki and why he went about uh, doing this. A lot of reaction to it. Jeff Van Drew will be here in about four minutes, right, Dan? 1240. A little bit of an unusual yes, yeah, time. Yeah, he's going to be hopping on. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk with him about that and inside the Hunter Biden saga this week, among uh, other things. And Rand Paul laid it out beautifully about how the Biden or any administration should have proceeded with these attacks. Hit him in a surprise. It's imminent. They obviously were attacking us. Obviously, this is significant. And then go to Congress to get full approval to continue from whatever the repercussions are moving forward. I thought that was very balanced, very reasonable. It wasn't wild. No, you just can't ever do it. Didn't hear any of that from Rand Paul. And I think he's one of the best at enunciating why this should go through Congress and the unease with um, how we proceed now. Meaning, uh, Congress doesn't want the burden of this. Uh, we just let the president do what he wants. All right, let's go to uh, Linda in Trap on Talk Radio 1210. Hey, Linda, welcome in. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh I am a uh, gay woman, and I am a big supporter of President Trump. And uh, I would also love him to just possibly look into – I did not hear anything with Rand Paul, and I do like him as well. But um, I would love him to look into Tulsi Gabbard. Well, Tulsi Gabbard's an intriguing choice for a lot of reasons. Former Democrat, uh, attractive woman, uh, military military veteran. Went independent. Yes. uh, But – you know, I wonder uh, the amount of baggage there. In other words, I don't know that she's been vetted fully yet, but uh, once that happened, then absolutely. She's got a lot of qualities. Trump base, I think, would be fine with uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, I kind of I I think she's a smart woman, um, has a lot to offer. And uh, I, I don't like Nikki Haley at all. Well, after this with Rand Paul today, it's going to be interesting to see. This is very rare for someone in their own party to do a big non-endorsement. You just you don't endorse the person, but you don't come out in this manner with Haley and connect (laughs) the dots. It's it's pretty unusual. Linda, do you have a ginger? Do you have a favorite redhead? A favorite redhead? Yeah, that's a side question today. No. No, not really. All right, Linda. Well, I'm glad you <laughs> I, called. I can't think of her name. She was in the Jumanji movie. I love that movie. She was in that uh, movie. And I, uh, the little girl? The redhead. I, the 90s one yeah. or the, the new one? The the uh, the new one with uh, The Rock and... Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'll figure seven, it out here. Now. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll put you down for that yeah, one. You, Thank you, Linda. Thanks uh, very much. Karen Gillen. Karen Gillen. She played okay. Ruby. People are more intrigued often by the VP choice, it's amazing to me, than by the first choice. That's why I asked Rand Paul, what about Nikki Haley? You know, you know they'd box her in if she were VP. No, Dom, it's never Nikki for anything here, okay? I don't see the path to Nikki Haley, we've said this many times, getting the nomination, but she wants to be second in that... Maybe she's the VP choice then, or if Trump, for whatever reason, how this shakes out, cannot be the nominee, then she's there. I think he is going to be the nominee, and I think Biden's going to be the nominee. All right, in a moment, we're going to speak with Jeff Andrew, though. What was it like there in Congress as Hunter Biden uh, came in this week? 
And uh, also, um, a little bit uh, later on, we're going to talk with Curtis Sliwa leading a huge march later today in New York against the illegal immigrant encampment at that high school in Brooklyn that has caught on. And the news out of Texas today is that the Texas National Guard is blocking off the Border Patrol from this park area. They're trying to stop them from just allowing people to uh, come through. I'm going to ask Jeff Andrew if he knows about this. I mean, this isn't turn that nobody wants. We don't want to see American one force the National Guard squared off with the Border Patrol. But Governor Abbott has had it, and he's trying any mechanism imaginable in order to block this. Congressman Jeff Andrew with us, but particularly today, we got a lot of things that are breaking. Let's go to Congressman Jeff Andrew on Talk Radio 1210. Congressman, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Tom, it's always great to be with you. Thank you. Well, you have morphed into one of the leading voices on the border that we routinely hear here with a lot of knowledge of what's going on. And it's a saddening day, but we get it where it appears the Texas National Guard is blocking a park there at Eagle Pass where a lot of this goes down to kind of throw a monkey wrench, it seems to be, to the Border Patrol just you know, order to essentially just process people and let them through. And this is a ratcheting up of tension. I mean, this is the type of thing, Jeff, where one foreign country to another country engaged. These are all Americans there. Well, they are all Americans. Let's say one thing right off the bat. The Border Patrol does not want to do what it has been ordered to do. Mm -hmm. They're sick to their stomach about it. These are good men and women. However, they've been ordered to catch and release, to process them as quickly as they can. You know, when Alejandro Mayorkas says, you know, that the border is under control and they have it covered, first of all, that's not even true. Secondly, though, what they're doing now is condoning an illegal activity, breaking the federal law of the United States of America. And when I say they, I mean Mayorkas and Biden, and that's what these people are doing and actually pushing these people through as quickly as they can. And I'm going to say something on your show that I haven't said many times, but I'm going to say more often. I have, you know, it's always about the end game. And the end game for the left is this. Because people ask me, they say, I don't understand. Why are they allowing this to happen? Mm-hmm. It's very unpopular. It's going to hurt them in the election. And that well may be. But they're looking at the end game, the long game, the final result, what they want. Here's what they want. Right now, in the United States of America, every 10 10 years we have a census. And unfortunately, this administration and Democratic administrations prior to them have said that it is appropriate and legal and mandated to count illegals in that census. What that will do when by the time we get to the census, we may have 8 or even 10 million illegals in this country, which is equivalent to the 10th most populous state in the country. They're creating another state. It's going to shift the census and therefore the Electoral College. And it's going to change what's going to happen at the end result of elections. What these ultra-left individuals do is if they can't win an election the right way, they'll do anything to win it the wrong way. And I don't mean to be so harsh here, but I'm telling the truth. This is similar to what 
third world countries do, what the totalitarian regimes do, to what Putin's doing in Russia. They want to have an election. They're taking anybody opposing them off mm. of the, the ballot because they're saying they didn't fill out their forms properly. Come on. Right. And, and Congressman, uh, Congressman, yes, that's a much better way than saying, well, they know these people will be made legal someday and vote for Democrats. I agree with you. This is going to happen a lot way, quicker. Don, not to jump button here again, but even if they, for not number one, they are going to vote someday because they're all getting ID mm. in so many different states now. They get the ID. The election board doesn't have the right to deny them. They take the ID, the election board, and they're allowed to vote in an election. This is what it's about. They want to change the structure and the fabric of the United States of America. This is serious stuff. If this keeps going this way, we may be at that point already. Once there's a new census, we may never be able to have any opposition party other than Democrats able to win general federal elections. I don't know. I don't know if you know Congresswoman, New York Congresswoman Yvette Clark. We played this. We're going to play it. 26 seconds, Congressman. To your point, here's what she said about why they want to bring in these illegals. In New York, we have a diaspora that, that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And, I, that, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the end. I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district, but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could could clearly uh, fit here. There you go. For redistricting purposes, we need we want them to be in Democrat districts. There you go. Exactly. And you know what? I've got to give her one thing. She's at least being honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a effort. It's not because we can because yeah. we, you know if we absorb everybody around the world who lives in countries that aren't as great as the United States of America, we'll absorb everybody because we we do have still and this administration is wrecking it daily, but we still do have the best nation on the face of the world that it ever was. Um, but she's telling the truth. And that's what they want, and they don't care because they want to win. They want to change America forever. I don't know how clear, you know, I don't know how anybody who loves the United States of America, whether they're independents, Republicans, or Democrats, could vote for this president and this administration. This isn't politics as usual. You know what, Dom? This isn't like the old days. This isn't when sometimes Democrats won and sometimes Republicans won, and, you know, it it wasn't a big deal we went on. Right now, we need to get back on track. I mean, it's very serious. And if you vote for Biden and you vote for this administration, you're voting for the destruction of the United States of America as we know it. I couldn't agree more. And she, you know, just said it casually there. Come on now. We could use these people that are coming to New York. Uh, Let's turn to uh, Hunter Biden when we saw this spectacle uh, this week. Give me your thoughts and what's going on there in Capitol Hill, the thoughts around Hunter Biden. Well, he's a man of privilege. <clears throat> I'll say a couple of things. He's a man of privilege, and he's a man that is bad. He's just a bad guy. So, you know, he doesn't pay. This is what your listeners know. You know, he doesn't pay his taxes, uh, millions of dollars of taxes, uses that tax money for escorts, for drugs, for alcohol, for luxury hotels, for uh, all types of illegal activity, uh, and instead of paying his taxes like every other American who's listening to your show does 
that's listening right now. What he also did, which would be unbelievable, because, you know, Democrats don't believe in gun rights. And he gets a gun, falsifies his application, falsifies an application for a gun, that does it while he's drunk and high. Now, he's admitted all this. Then disposes of the gun in a dumpster in the garbage. Dom, if that was you, if that was Dom Giordano, guess what? There'd be a news headline, Dom Giordano is going to jail for 10 years. Well, Larry Krasner, Larry Krasner, not a personal friend, would make it 20. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. God knows what they're doing. Donald Trump, my God, they put him in front of a firing squad. (laughs) So, you know, but but it's okay. And they were going to do a special plea deal for him. They slow walk the IRS case. They were to do a special plea deal for him, but thank God in heaven there was one good judge in Delaware that said she'd never seen anything like it before. She couldn't do it. Now, none of this matters except he got special privilege because of his father being the president and affected decisions in the Department of Justice. But here's what really matters. He has all of these shell corporations and businesses. The Biden family, and this is fact, has received over $20 million from Kazakhstan, from Ukraine, from Russia, from China, from Romania. Don't even register as foreign agents. i got to tell you again, your listeners don't relate to this because they're not receiving tens of millions of dollars from other countries. Uh, they just got to break their back working every day trying to pay their taxes, their mortgage, or their rent. It's wrong, and it's affecting the foreign policy of the United States of America, and it is affecting our domestic policy because the president was party to many of these business conversations after President Biden mm-hmm. said he wasn't. He then they had to admit that he was up to at least a dozen of them where they, you know, just one example, and then I'll shut up for a minute. One example, though, was – there was this energy company in Ukraine called Burisma for reasons that nobody understands because he knows nothing about energy. Hunter Biden was on the board of that company, received millions upon millions of dollars for being on the board. And then when they were on a call, the president was on that call as well. Burisma, the corrupt energy company, was complaining to the president and his son that they had to stop the investigation that was going on by the prosecutor in Ukraine because they were a corrupt company. Exactly. A couple of days later, Joe Biden, then vice president, goes to Ukraine, says you either fire the guy, unprecedented, we're telling who can, another country who their prosecutors can be, you either fire the guy or you're getting no money from the USA. Just one of many examples. That's what matters here. So where are we now? We issued subpoenas. He didn't comply. He thumbed his nose in front of the face of America, the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee, and the world. And then we, you know, we voted, thank God, in Judiciary and Oversight to actually hold him in contempt of Congress. We're going to, we were going to have a vote on the floor of the House next week. We'll have to see how that turns out. We're ready to have the vote. I'm ready. However, we just received a letter. I was with Congressman Jordan about an hour ago. He just received it. Uh, He's the chairman of judiciary. And that letter says that he will comply with subpoena. Now, we've got to work out the details. Wait wait, wait a minute. Let's slow down, Tom. Sorry to interrupt, but that's big news. So that he, he will do the private session, then he will comply. He says that he will. He says that he will. 
I want to know the details. Okay. I mean, this is the way it should go. This is the way it should go. He should come before the smaller group, who's ever chosen to be, whoever wants to be, actually, and for the subpoena, and to actually go through the deposition. That's done in private. After the deposition, not the same day, because he may be tired, we'll be fair. After that, he then needs to appear before judiciary and, for that matter, also oversight and have the public hearing. He's got to do it, Dom, like every other American exactly. has to do it. So that's why I want to say the vote may or may not happen on the floor. Look, he already didn't comply. I'd love to have the vote anyhow and hold him in contempt. But we'll have to see how this washes out. So that is the most late-breaking news that's literally happened you know, within the last hour. Great stuff. Senator, have a nice uh, weekend, and thank you. Thanks for all that good news. Does the congressman know about my... Uh, congressman. Does he, does he know about my... Uh, I don't know. Jeff, I, I'm trying my hardest to get you as a VP candidate for Trump. Just putting that out there. I, I don't need any answer from you, but I'm going to keep propagating yeah, let's keep it, man. them on the list I want, I want VP Jeff Andrew. Come on, make De- it happen. Great dentistry for everybody. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, listen, um, I, you know, I appreciate that. You know, it was like, you know, I went through a period there where some friends and others really wanted me to run for U.S. Senate statewide in New Jersey. I have about geographically almost half of the state. Uh, but, you know, I decide there's two things I want to do here. One of them, as you know, I have a good relationship with President Trump. Uh, I speak to him just about on a weekly basis, and he has asked me to help him in his campaign to head up his New Jersey effort and to do other things. I'm committed to doing that. Uh, I, I believe in my heart how important it is. You know, let me real quick, I know you got to get off, but I, I want people who are listening to know, even, I love Donald Trump, but even if you don't like him, even if you don't like his tweets, that's not what this is about. This is about saving the United States of America. So regardless of your party, regardless of mm-hmm. what you think, regardless if he annoys you, you have to vote for him. I'm involved in that effort. I want to keep fighting for my half of the state, and I'm going to do that. And that's where I'm at right now. Thank you, Congressman, as always. Always enjoy having Jeff Andrew on. We'll talk soon. Take care. Tom, I appreciate you. Have a good weekend. All right, Dan, we buried the lead there, though. It took me a long time to get to it. Then Hunter Biden, according to Jeff Andrew, he's just sitting in there with Jim Jordan. They got the letter, will comply. Now, the will comply is is in his his fantasy land. He can come in uh, coked up or something or not. Uh, Will cocaine be allowed? We we need to know that before we do this. (laughs) Do I have to wear clothes? Will there be hookers there? It's a BYOC. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. Or H, yeah. 855-839-1210. That's news. So is he going to do it? You just heard Jeff Andrew tell us that. That's what the letter says from one Hunter Biden. Wow. Big first hour already, Rand Paul, and then that news. Dom Giordano, weekdays noon till 3, from Talk Radio 1210, WPHD. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. 
Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.